Hi, and welcome again, everybody, to another podcast with the sensory approach to manual therapy. The subject I want to talk about today is the idea of pain and how we used to look at the ideas of pain and where we need to be moving our thought process to in order to understand it better. And I just want to go through some of the old myths and some of the new facts that we know about pain and how those relate to therapists' traditional responses to pain and what our future responses should be, what we should be doing to change them. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that and perhaps something that uh, Laura Mosley calls the sensor syndrome, not necessarily something that um, is pain-based, but is very much integrated into the idea of chronic pain. And so some of the, fir- the first thing I want to talk about is just um, how it is that we, that, well, at least that I was taught pain in school, and how it is that people are traditionally teaching pain and how we talk about pain. And the old theory is that pain is created in the nerves of the body and sent to the brain as pain signals or messages. And this, you know, I still hear this stuff all the time. I see it on social media all the time. I I see it in classes that I attend, uh, both in webinars this year during the 2020 pandemic, as well as uh, in classes that I've been in recently. People still talk about pain that way. And and we know it's a myth. Pain is not something that is created in the, the nerves. We know that pain... It's a stimulus is created at the distal portions of the sensory system in the peripheral nervous system. And it communicates that stimulus to the central nervous system. The central nervous system communicates that same signal to the brain and the pain is created in the brain. What is occurring at the distal portions of the sensory system is a stimulus. Stimulus is not pain. Stimulus is not pain. Feeling wind on your skin is stimulus. Um, feeling heat from a bathtub is stimulus. Feeling heat from a stove is stimulus. One of them elicits pain. One of them does not. And that perception of pain is not processed in the skin or in the sensory system or in the tissue or in the nervous system. That perception of pain is processed in the brain. So that's one of the first myths that we need to reevaluate how we talk about pain. Pain is not something that occurs in the brain only. It is something that is perceived in the brain, and it is often stimulated somewhere else in the sensory system. And this becomes important because people will often say, is it a pain in the brain or an issue in the tissue? Well, obviously it's both, which most people will look at that and say, well, of course it's both. And yet we don't talk about it that way. People talk about it as my knee hurts. They talk about it as I hurt my ligament. I hurt my muscle. They don't talk about the fact that the brain is engaged in the process. The second myth that I want to talk about is that the brain receives the pain signal and creates a mechanical reaction that the pain, the, the, the brain understands, oh my God, I hurt my foot and my mechanical reaction will be that I'm going to limp. And the actual fact is that the brain absorbs the information. It perceives it's as a threat or not as a threat. And it responds accordingly by muting that stimulus being no pain or exaggerating that stimulus, creating lots of pain. And then we get a mechanical reaction accordingly. It's not as simple as I'm limping because I hurt my back or I'm limping because I stepped my toe. The brain has to be involved in the process of threat perception. If it is not perceived as a threat, our mechanical behavior is not going to be modified. 
And that becomes really important because when we're dealing with chronic pain with our clients, if you can get them to no longer see that movement at the gym or that stairway or getting in and out of their chair at work as a threat, they are not going to have those mechanical um, variances in their behavior. Okay. Another myth is that pain is a response to tissue damage. Um, I cut myself, I have tissue damage, there's bleeding, and then therefore I have pain. Again, it's, it's that, that stimulus that's um, either modulated accordingly, either upregulated or downregulated, where I'm either exaggerating or diminishing the level of stimulus that that has that induces pain. Okay. Uh, pain is a response to the relationship of the perceived threat associated to the stimulus. The greater the threat, the greater the response and vice versa. So pain is not a response to tissue damage. Pain is a response to the level of threat that that tissue damage is perceived as. Um, and that becomes important again. As a child, I have two children. And when they have a small injury, a scuff or a scratch, something that most grown-ups don't even think of, for them, it is a very, very big deal. Again, first injuries, sometimes things like that, their threat perception, because they see blood or they see a scratch, their threat perception is one as elevated. So they see it as a very painful experience. And it's only with time that they realize that that threat level is actually diminished. Another myth is that chronic pain is an ongoing response to ongoing tissue and chemical or chemical damage. And this is by far one of the biggest myths that we have that people talk about all the time. I have a herniated disc. You know, let's say I had a herniated disc in 2007. And so now in 2021, I have back pain and I still have a herniated disc. No, they likely do not. Now they may still have a herniated disc, but somewhere between 2007 and 2021, that herniation disappeared and came back and disappeared and came back likely. People don't hang on to a bulge or a herniation like that for the rest of their life. It gets reabsorbed into the body. And so the myth is, is that because I have this mechanical slash chemical damage, I have ongoing chronic pain. When we know chronic pain rarely continues uh, to have to have any tissue or chemical damage creating beyond creating a stimulus. So once the catalyst for the injury has occurred, it induces a threat stimulus. That threat stimulus is perceived as either danger or non-danger. If it's danger, it creates pain. Once that threat stimulus is decreased, either the stability to the weakened joint returns, be it there's an injection, be it there's an intervention of some sort, when that threat level is decreased, in theory, the pain should diminish. If the pain doesn't diminish and the chronic pain cycle begins, that's where we need to start looking at things a little differently and going back to what I talk about in some of my other podcasts about the relationship that the skin has to the brain and the relationship that the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system has to the brain and these positive feedback loops where the tissue damage no longer exists and yet we've convinced our brain consciously or unconsciously doesn't actually apply because it's happening either way but we've convinced our brain that the threat level is high, even though the tissue damage is quite strong. And uh, in our classes, we go through some really interesting graphs where we talk about, you know, the tissue strength versus risk to tissue damage over time as it relates to most levels of pain and, and very interesting stuff. And I, I really enjoy teaching that stuff. 
So how this relates to therapy is oftentimes therapists will talk about an injury or pain, especially chronic pain on the go. Your pain is coming from dot, 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 X, Y, Z, you name it, coming from your posture. It's coming from your movement pattern. It's coming from your desk at work, whatever it is. And if you treat it, um, you will be pain free when what we should be thinking about and where the future of manual therapy is, is that pain is incredibly multidimensional. It is complex. It has roots in almost every aspect of our daily lives, from physical catalysts to emotional and mental triggers and stressors. Therefore, any response to chronic pain cannot be simplified down into a single behavior or a single treatment or a single problem. You do not have a subluxated sublux joint, and that's why you are in chronic pain. You do not have a torn muscle, and that's why you are in chronic pain. You have chronic pain because of a multitude of aspects of that patient's or client's life. And it is difficult as therapists to try to unravel the puzzle that is their life to find out, okay, if these are all the reasons for your chronic pain, we're going to have to try to address most of them. As a therapist, I can only address these, but for the rest of these problems, X, Y, Z, you need to take care of them on your own. Another traditional response to pain that therapists often have and that I still hear about, I still, every single day in my clinic, I still talk to patients about this and I still hear patients bring it up all the time. My posture equals my pain. And uh, we just know it's not true. We just know it's simply not true. Posture and pain have almost no credible connection. Any connection they have is purely correlated and not causality based. And I can think of thousands of people who I've seen and know personally in my life who have horrible posture, maybe not thousands, but hundreds, who have no pain. And I can think of hundreds of people who have great posture and are in tons of pain. And that's just my personal experience. Now, that doesn't mean that scientific fact. What does show through scientific fact, and there's a lot of research studies being done on this, um, is that posture is not related to our pain. We, we just don't have the scientific data to back that statement up. So it, it's just not something we should be addressing anymore. The, the idea of fixing someone's posture for them to have uh, a pain-free lifestyle is almost uh, surreal. Really what's happening is when we're addressing people's postures, likely what's happening is that they are doing exercise and it may not be changing their posture, but the exercise is likely reducing their pain. Now, go do exercises for posture, but don't talk about it as though they're going to fix their posture and that their posture is the reason for their pain. It, it is very much a different sentence. Um, Another old thing that we used to say as therapists is that how you move is causing your pain, dysfunctional movement patterns, force, force coupling movement patterns. Again, though they are related to our pain, they are not the reasons for our pain. Movement, though a possible contributing factor to pain, should rarely be blamed as the source of pain. It is, it can perpetuate a no movement mentality with our clients. We don't want that. We want clients to be exercising. And uh, movement, movement through injuries has been shown to be one of the most effective treatments available too. It's not to say move with pain. It's to say move even though you have pain and modify the behavior so that the pain is not a grimace, modify the behavior so the pain is not unbearable, but it doesn't mean don't move. 
most people who have low back pain, first thing you want to do, lay in a bed. And it's one of the worst things they can do for the low back pain. Now, it doesn't mean that they should go do, uh, move, they shouldn't move their house, but it doesn't mean they can't go for a walk. It doesn't mean they can't walk up and down stairs. It doesn't mean they can't engage other portions of their body. Uh, pain is in the brain. It's mental and therefore not treatable by manual therapy as it is a brain problem. The pain is all in your, in your mind. And this is something that I've actually heard that's more recent. The more research that comes out around pain and that it is a perception in the brain that we've talked about today, therapists start to say, well, then, then it's all in their head. It's all in their mind. Um, well, last time I checked, the brain was in the body. It's part of the body. And they are interconnected. They are not one without the other. Um, the connection between the affected areas and the brain are really intense, and they both have to be addressed. Affect the brain by creating health literacy with your patients, having them take notes on the frequency of the pain, the duration of the pain, the activity that caused or helped reduce or increase or reduce pain, um, whether it was there every day, is it 24-7, have them take notes on types of pain, is it irritating, is it burning, all that kind of stuff. And have those notes work on their mental aspect of pain. And then as a therapist, you treat the area, helping them address the touch aspect and helping them address the sensitivity locally around their discomfort. And between the two of those aspects together, we're likely going to have a more positive effect on chronic pain. I'd say 90 plus percent of my clientele all take notes on a weekly basis and come in with a journal that talk about, okay, on Monday, I felt pain here. On Tuesday, I felt pain here. And the 10% of clients that I have who don't do that, they keep it in their head and they come in and say, you know, four days out of this week, I felt great. Three days, I didn't feel good. And they're able to track it that way because the conscious understanding of their symptoms and of their pain becomes intimate and integrated into their healing process. So those are just some of the myths and some of the new science facts around pain. There's some of the old treatment mentalities that we need to really start pushing by the wayside and coming up with some new ones. So I hope you guys enjoyed it today. Again, feel free to write me and follow me on Instagram, Sensory Approach. Feel free to go to our website, sensory, um, sensoryapproach.com. And if you want to look at all the science behind all this stuff that I talk about in my podcast, it is on the website there. You can go take the online course. It's good for a hundred. It's good for six NCV TMB hours if you need those. And um, if you guys have questions, feel free to join us every second Friday of the month for um, a live Instagram feed, and you can ask me questions. We do a live Q&A. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all.